0: This is the Big Church Podcast. Wow, I don't know about y'all, but that—that that was good church. We sometimes, man, we, we we put so much store into the lights and the smoke and all of that stuff, and sometimes it just, it's just—it's good time to just sit back and go. Oh. Jesus wants us to sit back in His presence and go. Oh. Let's not worry about all that stuff. I came in here a little stressed out this morning, you know. Not going to lie, I've been tired all week, and Carolina uh, got on us this morning at Circle Up because I had told five people already, I'm just so tired this week. Man, I had to repent really quick. We are children of the living God. And if that can't make you excited, I don't know what can. But wasn't Easter amazing? Easter was amazing. We celebrated the resurrection of Jesus and the power of it, and... You ever been on Facebook and you see a post that says, see more, dot, dot, dot? How many of you all really open that up? Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to pray for (laughs) y'all. Here's what I do. Sometimes if I look at it and it's more than a paragraph, I don't even read it. Have you ever opened one up and all of a sudden it's a book, like it's nine paragraphs long and you're thinking, they must have sat there for three hours to come up with that particular post. You ever seen a video? The video says, watch till the end. Why? Why do they want you to watch? Because there's something that's going to change from the start of the story or the video to the very end of the video. The title of my message this morning is, watch till the end. I'm going to preach to you this morning about restoration. And I believe there was some restoration that just happened around these altars right now. And there's going to be more after my message. But the restoration, Peter is like my favorite. And I'm going to tell you why here in just a few minutes. But Peter messed up. You remember that uh, Peter said, you know, if everybody's going to forsake you, I'm not going to do it. And the first thing that he did is he ran away from Jesus. And then not only did he run away, he denied Jesus three times, and then he cussed. Y'all, y'all ever cuss in here? Come on, get your hand up in here. Oh, Lord, I got a bunch of saved people in here. There's, there's, every once in a while, I say a word I shouldn't say. But he cussed. Then he realized how bad that he had messed up, and he went out, and it said he wept bitterly. So here's, what, here's the story where it comes up. Jesus is resurrected. He's shown himself to them, and he's shown himself to others a couple of times. But it's been kind of tough because Jesus wasn't around as much as he used to be around. They, all the disciples had Jesus 24-7. They had him at, every time they had dinner, every time they had him. Anytime that they wanted him. Because he wasn't around that much, fire the fire seemed to go out. You know what I'm trying to talk about? You know, when you first get saved, you're, you're ready to take on the devil, and you, you know, I'm going to throw his pitchfork back at him, and, and all of a sudden, things happen. And all of a sudden, the fire starts to go out just a little bit. It caused doubt and fear, and it started to creep in on them. That's just like us sometimes when we're not hearing, when we're not seeing where we're not feeling everything that God has for us, right? We get in a place where, oh, oh my gosh, I don't hear God anymore, or the music isn't good for me to hear God this morning. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I can't worship today because there ain't no music going on. Oh, you all are a tough crowd. That's like us sometimes, though. We don't hear God sometimes. We start doubting. We don't see what God's doing, and we start fig- trying to figure out a different plan. And, and, and what did they do when that happened? They returned to their regularly scheduled program. You remember that on TV? We now, we're now going back to our regularly scheduled program. They returned to what they knew, John 21, 3. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Leave that up there. I went and visited Cain last week with our new grandbaby. Can I get a clap in the house? He is so cute. And as we were sitting there, Cain turned to uh, fishing YouTube or whatever he was watching. For six hours, I watched them catching bass. I'm not really a fisherman. I go occasionally. But listen, by the time those videos got over, hey, I knew what catch and release was. I knew how many you could keep. I knew what lure to use. I knew if they died, you were in trouble. I knew everything about fishing after that five hours. But here Peter is. He says, I am going fishing. And they said to them, what? We're going to go with you also. And they went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught, say nothing. Nothing. Peter had failed. And what he had done, he had tried to go back to what was familiar. He tried to go back to his regularly scheduled program. He tried to go back to what he knew. You know, when hard times come and when challenges come, times we find ourselves returning to what we knew. We we find ourselves going back to the old relationship that God had got you out of. We see going back to the old habits and the old mindset. But you got to understand something. Where you go matters. And what you do matters. You know why? Because there's other people in the boat with you. There's other people watching what you do. There's other people reacting to how or what you handle a situation. If you're not careful, you're going to take others with you. Don't take others to that place of negativity that you've escaped from. Don't take others to that place of depression that you've already escaped from. Here's Peter, he's going, I didn't even get a bite. I'm a professional fisherman, and I did not even get a bite. He's all of a sudden doubt, 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 easy for me to say, creeps in, and he says, I can't even fish anymore. My goodness, the rejection level that goes up in him right there. All Everything else I've done is wrong, and now the thing that I knew to do, now I'm failing at it, too. When we return to our regularly scheduled programming, we plan and we implement and we work hard, and then we get frustrated when it doesn't work out the way that we want it to. But here's Jesus. He found Peter and he found his disciples in the same circumstances, the same position that they were in when he found them before. Where'd he find it before he walked out on the, the shore of Galilee and he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. He, 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 they went back to the very thing that God had told them. I'm, I'm not, I'm trying not to get ahead of myself. I'm about to get ahead of myself here. They didn't catch anything. Why didn't they catch anything? Because they forgot who or what they were fishing for. He said, I'll make you fishers of men. They went back to being fishers of fish. They lost their focus. They took their eyes off of the mission that God had for them. Don't you remember Peter when Jesus was walking on the water? He said, come out to me. And as long as Peter was looking at Jesus, as long as his focus didn't get deterred or get distracted with everything else, he he was walking on the water with Jesus. But just as soon... Just as soon as he took his eyes off, what had happened? He started to sink. He started to go deeper. He's like, Jesus, you've got to help me. So many times in our own life, that's what we do. As long as we got our eyes focused, uh, laser focused on the where God is taking us, we can go wherever we need to go. As soon as there's a distraction come along, as soon as there's something else that come along, we take our eyes off and we find ourselves <laughs> sinking. It's easily to happen to us. And here's what happens. When that happens, you don't see or even recognize who Jesus is. Let's look at verse 4. But when the morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast your nets on the right side. Say right side. Right. Right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast their net. And now when they were able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish, I wonder if the disciples were grumbling just a little bit. Who in the world is that crazy guy up on the shore hollering at us and telling us how to fish? Because it said they didn't recognize him, right? They were probably like, excuse me, sir, we're fishermen. Who are you? Don't you, don't you imagine that was happening there? Because we're all human. That's what I'd be doing. Don't be telling me how to drive. I've been driving for 40 years. I do that to my wife. You don't like nobody telling you what to do if you know what, you, what to do. But here's the deal. It was the custom to fish off of the left side of the boat for fishermen. That's how they had always done it. That's what they always knew from growing up. And you, what happens is, is we get thrown off so much by the customs of the world. Everybody is doing it a certain way. So we must do it the way that they, they're doing it, right? Now listen to what Matthew 7, 13 says. It says, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there is many who, many who find it and go in that way. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult, listen, difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. The world's way leads to nothing. They found their nets empty. They tried everything. They were out of options. Now they were desperate enough to try whatever the guy up on the shore said to try. Because they figured out they couldn't do it on their own. Craig Rochelle says this. We use Jesus as a last line of defense versus the first line of offense. That's good. We use Jesus as a last line of defense versus a first line of offense. We need to see Jesus as the answer, not the last resort. So many times we see him at You know what I'm talking about. We wonder why we struggle and we wonder why we stumble so much, so much and we fail to do. Because we fail to do it the way Jesus tells us to do it. We fail because Jesus tries to lead us and guide us. We fail because we're not in the word. Can I get an amen? 70, I think it's like 74% of professing Christians don't read the Bible every day. Eek. But I can't understand it, pastor. Well, there's 84 versions. They got one that even a dummy like me can can get hold of. That's an excuse. Oh, I'm going on. I'm about to get in trouble. The word is important. Let me tell you why. Because Psalm says, through your word, I get understanding and I get knowledge. It says your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You don't know where you're going and maybe you're just, it's because you don't have the right thing lighting your path up. You gotta get in this word. You gotta understand this word. This word is life. That's why Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Verse 7. Woo! It feels good in here this morning. (laughs) Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. He told Peter, "It's, It's Jesus. And look what Peter does. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and he plunged into the sea. Can I just tell you who Peter is and how he's relatable to you and to me? Peter had a big mouth. Very relatable to me. Don't be pointing at me. He was quick to speak and was slow to listen. How many times, what did Jesus say? He said, Hey, Peter, you're not even listening to me, so get behind me, Satan. Because Peter always had an answer for something, and most of the time, it was the wrong answer. He was impulsive. They come to get Jesus, and he pulls out a, a sword and lops this guy's ear off, right? He jumps out of boats. You know, he, he lost it. How many of y'all going to jump out of a boat? I ain't getting. Out, I don't like to get out past my chest in the ocean, and I'm not jumping out of no boat for nobody. But he comes up short just like a lot of us do in here. Just like I do and just like you do. But as we watch till the end of the story, it changes. Look here at verse 9. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid upon it with bread. Notice something. They're still out there. They just came in. Jesus already had the fish that he needed. Their fish are still out there. So, when they came in, he already had fish on the coals. You know what that tells me? That God is our provider. Not your job, not your retirement, not your 401k, but God is your provider. Can I just tell you something? I had to really stand on that this past year when COVID hit. I didn't know what we were going to do. I, I, fear and doubt crept into me. How are we going to pay the bills? And we had just hired people, and what were we going to do? But I got news for you. We haven't missed a beat in this year. matter of fact, we have increased this from last year. God is my provider, and He is your provider. He is your source. The Bible says he will supply all your needs. He will give you everything you want, but he'll give you everything you need. There's a difference between a want and a need. But let me tell you something. My God's so good to you, he'll give you some wants too if you want them. He will supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. So you don't have a bank account? Let me tell you what, get tapped into God. He makes good deposits. That one's free. I'm going to have to watch that back and add that That's my notes. He puts you in the right place at the right time. But he calls us also, what I loved about this, he had the fish there, but he also calls us to be a part of what he's doing, be a part of his work. Verse 10, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you just caught, Human labor is involved with a lot of Jesus' miracles. He turned the water into wine, but guess what? He had then fill up the water pots. Thank you. God is good. (laughs) This is not a normal Sunday morning. It's okay. Thank you, baby. Thank you for your encouragement. He turned the water into wine, but he had them fill up the pots. He healed the crippled man, but guess what? Someone had to bring the crippled man to Jesus. And don't you remember when he multiplied the bread and the fish and he fed the multitude? He first sent the disciples out into the crowd to search for what he was going to feed them with. And then what did he do? He had them deliver it. God wants to co labor with us. We're not just church sit pewers, or I didn't even say that right. We're not, we didn't design to be sitting on the pews of church, on your padded chair, or and y'all don't know what a pew is. Some of y'all old school in here, you know what a pew is. I hit my head on them wooden pews many times. My mom whooped me under those pews many times. Oh, I feel good this morning. but he sent them through the crowds because he wanted them to be the one to deliver it. God could easily do this. I was talking to Tyler about about discipleship. God could easily make you this, 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 but he is calling us to make disciples of men. He could have easily done it himself, but he gives us the privilege to be a co-laborer and a worker with him. And let me tell you what he invites you to do, and you may be surprised. He invites you, What he invites you to do may be very, very simple. You might have coffee with someone one day and share your testimony. You could change their life forever. You might not know that Starbucks visit right now could do something for someone's life down the road. Help out someone when they're struggling. When you know that there's someone in the church, in your church family or someone around you, when they're struggling, start to help them out. And here's a good one. Love people... Where they are at. You know why you do that? Because you used to be there. You love people where they're at because that's where you used to be. So many times we get judgmental. We get so looking down our noses at people. And the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, that's where you were 10 years ago. Why are you looking down on somebody else? All that stuff may be insignificant now, but one day, when we all get to heaven, no, when we all get to heaven, you may look across the clouds or whatever it is, and you might see that person that you met at Starbucks. You might see that person that you witnessed to at work. You might see that person, and, and, and it'll make it all worthwhile when you see that. I'm going on. I got two more hours, and I'm going to condense it down to 10 minutes. (laughs) Verse 11, Simon Peter went up, and he dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. That's significant. And although there were so many that the nets did not break, God has an abundance. (laughs) He's got an abundance that he can carry. It It won't even break you back. The Bible doesn't say, but God says to your, your spirit, he says, I won't ever put anything on you too hard to carry. So many times we, our nets break because of our own humanness. But God says, if you'll just go the way that I'm asking you to go, your net will never break. I'll always, always give you another hour in the day or a, uh, I've been asking for less hours in the day the last couple of weeks. I've been having to do a lot of manual labor and whoo. Bobby's a taskmaster, too, so he doesn't let me have any breaks. But it said 153 large fish they drug in. Some say, now this is reports say that 153 represents the number of the nations that were on earth at that time. What did God call them to be? He called them to be fishers of men. You would go to all of the nations and you will baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Some say that there were 153 species of fish in the Sea of Galilee, listen to this. It represented that the gospel, the good news is a universal gospel, it's for everyone. It doesn't matter what your gender is, it doesn't matter what your background is, it doesn't matter what your culture is, it doesn't matter your color or your education, the gospel of Jesus Christ is for everyone. Jesus made everyone matter. His resurrection wasn't supposed to change history. It was supposed to change us. Yeah, we're here about history, but the resurrection of Jesus was designed to change us. Look at Mark 16:7. I love it. and Pastor Brennan did this uh, uh, several months ago. He says, "But go tell the disciples what? And Peter." He could' have just said, "Go tell the disciples, I'm going to be here, I'm going to go there." No, he said, go tell the disciples and Peter. You know why? Because he knew Peter needed to be restored. He knew Peter was faced with rejection. He knew that he was out. He knew that Peter needed something else. Peter didn't need a second chance. He needed to be restored. He had a a few chances. He needed restoration. Let's look at John 21, 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, Do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my lambs. Jesus asked Peter if he loves them more than these. What is he referring to? I think he's referring to in this one right here. Maybe he's saying, Do you love me more than the boats you have over here on the shore? Do you love me more than that net you've been mending every single day that's your livelihood? Do you love me more than your profession that you call yourself? a? Do you love me more than all of this stuff right here? And so many things Jesus is asking you. Do you love me more than your family? Do you love me more than your money? Do you love me more than your possessions? Because listen, you got to love God more than all that stuff. Because the Bible says, seek the kingdom first. If you seek him first, all the other things will be added unto you. So, maybe you haven't seen any addition in your life because you've been subtracting it somewhere else. And you haven't been going to the source. Or is he asking you, Do you love me more than these? Is he talking about the other disciples or these guys? Because remember the night of the arrest? Peter said, Even if everybody deserts you, I ain't running away. I'm paraphrasing. That's the Richard King's version. (laughs) Even if everyone else fails you, even when everyone else runs away from you, I'll never, I'm even gonna die for you, Jesus. Pride had set in. He claimed to be spiritually stronger than every one of the other guys. But look when pride sets in, what happens? Pride comes before the fall. Verse 16, and he said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And he said to him, Tend my sheep. Jesus asked him again to see if Peter is still stuck on himself. You ever been around somebody stuck on herself? That's an old country term. They had to be looking in the mirror thinking they look good. I don't do that very often. But we used to say all the time, "That girl stuck on herself." That boy stuck on himself. He wanted to see if Peter was still stuck on himself. Don't judge others and see if he was still claiming to love Jesus more than everyone else did. I wrote here, don't judge others. Don't judge yourself in relationships to others. You have to search your own heart. The first words he says to Peter was to follow me. And he was really wondering, are you really gonna follow me this time? Are you really gonna do what you said you were gonna do when you were running your mouth and, and when you were let pride set in on you? Well, let's watch to the end, verse 17. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because of his third time. He says, Jesus, you've asked me already twice. I've told you, I've already told you two times I love you. And you're asking me again? And he said, Lord, you know I all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Why are sheep so important in this story? Because we are the sheep. The church is the sheep. And why is it, why is it important? In this exchange, you see, Peter doesn't have to give a verbal yes. He never says, yes, Lord, I'll follow you. He demonstrates the rest of his life as a yes. God had transformed him from a faithless, rebellious betrayer into a lover of people. He had transformed him into the powerful leader that he was. Why, Peter? Because he told him earlier, you're going to be the rock in which the church is founded on. He knew that he would have to feed and shepherd and tend all of the sheep. Peter repeatedly followed, surrendered, and loved Jesus. He believed in Jesus' mission so much that he was crucified, not like Jesus, but upside down because he didn't feel worthy of that. Jesus asked Peter three times to remind him that he went to the cross for each of his failures. He could have done it once, and I'm sure Peter started to think about it the first time he said he reminded him, he probably thought, yeah, I remember doing that, listen. Second time he reminded, oh, yeah, ooh, I kinda remember doing that too. Then the third time rolled around, he, he remembered everything that he had done. The question is still today. Do you love Jesus? Sometimes we let our past play into how we answer that question. Sometimes we let our past play into how that question is answered. The Bible says he cast your sins into the depths of the sea. As far as the east is from the west. And then you, sometimes you're bringing stuff back to Jesus and he's going, I don't even know what you're talking about. Wait a minute, you're bringing that up to me again? I, I thought I forgot about that a long time ago. I thought that went into the sea of forgetfulness or whatever. Whatever. Jesus is doing that and a lot of us, let's quit rehearsing it over in our minds. We have to forgive ourselves and that's the hardest thing to do sometimes. Why, because we rehearse it on our minds, we hit replay, we allow condemnation to set in. Listen, I walked away from God about 12 years ago. No longer than that, I came back 12 years ago. I walked away from him and I thought I could never go back home. Even though I had preached the Prodigal Son, it was one of my favorite things, I didn't think there was a place at home for me anymore. I allowed the enemy to tell me that you'd messed up so many times. You failed me so many times. And, I, and you know what? He told me I was a failure. I think today you need to know that you failed, but that doesn't make you a failure. There's a difference between failing and being a failure. Do not let the enemy tell you that you are a failure. And I'd also forgotten what Jesus had done for me. When God said, it is finished, we gotta start saying, it's finished. You gotta quit living that story and not give up. If God said he's gonna finish it, he's gonna finish it. If he starts it, he's gonna go all the way to the end of the video. So many times we turned it off halfway through, God said, just let it play because it's gonna be different for you. Because he was resurrected, we can be restored. Let's all stand if we would, please. I believe this morning that Jesus is asking, do you love me? And I'm gonna ask you how you answer that question. The first step to answering that question is, to receive his forgiveness and ask for it. The second thing you have to do is you have to acknowledge that he's the savior. So many times, you know, Jesus is standing there and he's like, I'm right here. Here I am. All you gotta do is make that step. So many times salvation, so many times things in our life, we make it so complicated. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. I'm knocking at your door. And all you have to do is open the door and allow me to come in. The second one, he's saying, do you love me? Can I just tell you that you're gonna fall down? We all do. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But when you fall And when you fail, you got to get back up. Come on, you all know what I'm talking about. So many times we get down for the count and we we go down and we start rehearsing our failures and and all of the stuff that's going on in our life and we stay down there for so long. The enemy beats us up and and he keeps us in a place of just being stuck. But I got to tell you this morning, Jesus wants you to move forward. I got good news for someone in here today. God is not mad at you. I was raised thinking God didn't like me. He was the evil taskmaster up there always trying to beat me down. But I got news for you. God is not mad at you. And Jesus is not done with you. The enemy may be telling you something else, but God's not done with you. The third, can we get the house lights down, please? The third, do you love me, is this. Maybe you just need a refresher course. Maybe you just need a refreshing time in the Lord. And I saw people up here praying earlier that that I believe there's some refreshing that happened around this altar already during worship. So maybe you've not made that choice to make Jesus your Savior. This morning, it's so easy. Say, God, I'm a sinner. I need you. Forgive me of my sins, and I want to walk with you. I want to follow you the best that I can and the Bible says if you pray that prayer believing you can be saved you don't necessarily have to make a walk to this altar but let me tell you something what happened there's going to be prayer people on the left or the right let me tell you what's freeing about that walk it's because when you start taking that walk you signify that I'm walking out of the old me come on y'all I'm walking out of the old me and I'm going to meet somebody else new up here well, let me also tell you, the Holy Spirit can find you in the back row. <laughs> he can find you in the middle row. He can find you in the front row. It doesn't matter where you are. He can find you. So as they get ready to sing this song, if you need a refreshing, if you need Jesus to come into your heart and your mind, let us pray and agree with you. Because God is good.